Welcome to the hashtag blessed version of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. After our holiday break, we are back at it. I'm your host and moderator, Josiah, and on the show today, I have... Alicia. Will. And Byron. Guys, thanks for joining me. It's been such and great... Someone's eating hard candy, it sounds like. I don't I have know what it is. But... I have a cough drop. I'm trying not to cough. I well, coughed a lot in the last recording. Introduce the hard candy as well. It is, you can all hear it. It is uh, Burt's Bees. It's the best cough drop there ever once was. Is that a sponsor? Is that a new sponsor? I wish. That would be so good. Let's um, get on it. We'll email them. I'll, I'll get right on it. Interns, interns. So how was the holidays, ladies and gents? Fattening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. As it should be, apparently, yeah, it was an good. American Thanksgiving. Good. That's how it goes, I guess. Yeah. It's real good for my diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. My... My oldest daughter was sick pretty much the whole time. She has straps, so that wasn't very fun. But other than that, it was great. That's Anyone what happened have to when travel far? to school, Will. Yeah, that's true. I know. Man. Anyone travel far or everyone stay home or what? No, I, I stayed local. My folks live rather far away, um, but I stayed local in the Bay and celebrated Thanksgiving with my aunt and uncle. Um, it was sweet, simple, quiet. Yeah, it was great. They're phenomenal cooks. Like they subscribe to Bon Appetit magazine and every single time I'm with them, there's something new on the table. And I'm like, where did you get this recipe? And my aunt will say, oh, it's from the 1995 edition, <laughs> like whatever. Oh my and it's just like, like it's, they're phenomenal cooks. It's really good food and great conversation. Um, yeah, they're good people. So that was, that was sweet, fun. Byron, were you just home in AZ? Yeah. Just hung out with my my family. What about you, Willard? Did you have people over? With just you and your family? No, we we go down to to K Sizzle. Oh, to the and so yeah, it's an hour hour and a half. <laughs> to other uh, known as so. otherwise known as Kansas City. Yes, yes, to the layman, but to <laughs> the us who know what's really going on, it's called K Sizzle. That's clever. We were we were. Uh, I was on the hook for making a turkey for the very first time ever. Ooh. I've never done that, and Google helped me because I'm a millennial. Um, and it turned out mm. okay. It wasn't the worst. See, I figured maybe you just buy it, like cooked already <laughs> and stuff. You're a millennial, you know. It's easiest. Can you do that made. though? Can you yeah. actually on things? Yes, you can absolutely uh, do that. You didn't have oh, wow. it door dashed or delivered. No, okay, so <laughs> ah, there okay, you go. So, yeah. so for real though, I tried the DoorDash, and I'm in too small of a town. They don't operate here yet. So uh, mm-hmm. no. Hey, Jos- Josiah, did you stuff your turkey with avocados? I I thought about it's it, gross. Right, but I but I didn't. <laughs> Why ruin that a good turkey? <laughs> oh no. I mean, I love avocados, but I would not stuff. No, I would not do it either. Oh my goodness! All right, well, hey, let's get it. This is the short form show. We try to time ourselves. Otherwise, we do this and we talk for long. We're gonna do three different talking points today. The first one is going to be more of this stuff. And uh, who do I have? I have Will going on, on first, right? Yes. Seven yep. minutes. I'm starting it in just a second, Willard. Will, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, okay. but we're also going to talk about Black Friday and some of the stuff that we ruin. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, are you so excited? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, let's... I love Black Friday. All right, let's go. Will, since yes. you're a millennial, there's either <laughs> one of two things that you've done. And, and I'm going to have, I, I need to assume one, one or the other, but I need you to help me with this assumption. Did you A, 
either okay. ruin America by abstaining from such paganistic consumeristic tendencies on Black Friday, or B, are you just too poor to participate even when the deals are so great? Okay. Well, what, what, what's your guess? Because it's you're right. One of those is true. What's your guess? <laughs> well, you're you're a pastor, so number number two. Actually, it's A. It is. It's definitely A. It is A. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Black Friday at all. But, I, I mean, I, if you do Black Friday, that's that's cool. But I, it's just not for me. So. Well, I'm gonna ask you a, a little more yeah. in depth question, but I'm gonna feel the. I want to feel out the panel. Uh, Ali, Ali, yeah. Alicia, oh, yeah. you participate in Black Friday at all? Nope. Not even a bit. Uh, no. Uh, for for both of those reasons, both A and B. Because <laughs> all of the above. Where's C? All of the above. Yeah. yeah. Okay, C. I'm, all of the above. I'm a, I'm a hyper-intentional consumer, um, and I'm also broke, so. <laughs> that, I mean, that helps you be a little less of a consumer. Yeah, and, and then also just like my regular Sabbath practice is Friday. I take Fridays off. I, I keep my phone turned off. Uh, Me I, too. I, um, yeah, so, so that helps helped me just kind of stay away from any of the temptations like all of those email promotions and those kinds sure. of things and and instead just um spent some time outside and uh with my sister who was coming to visit and just found other ways um yeah i'm i'm this isn't part of the segment but i'm way more prone to support small business saturday but mm-hmm. even then i think there are ways to support small businesses that don't involve spending money like uh promoing them or giving a meaningful comment or recommending their work to a friend or or reviewing doing other, them yeah or reviewing them yeah well and so and you're an influencer Oh gosh, no! Basic. Basically. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. What? Like my my twelve followers on Instagram? Sure. Get it. Get it. Well, we might actually come back to small business Saturday in a second, Alicia. So hold that thought, Byron. Real quickly, um, did you Black Friday? Um, I have in the past, kind of, but this year we went out and we bought groceries on Friday. Get it? Were there doorbuster we were both deals? Off. No. That sounds like a horrible idea. Depending on <laughs> well, here's you know, the thing: what store. all these stores open on Thursday now, and yeah, we didn't even right. leave the house until afternoon. So we went to Costco nice. and Walmart, but like, there was hardly anyone there. Hmm. Oh, good. And like, we bought a couple gifts actually for people, but they weren't like expensive, and they weren't on sale really. We bought some boots for my wife that were a few dollars off, but I don't think that was a Black Friday deal. I think it was just a, a sale, like a normal, like weekly right. sale or something. More so. in depth. Back to Will. Uh, Will, I found the funniest video, and this is like, this is not really the question, but it'll help set it up. There's a, there's a video going around on the internet about the Canadian version of Black Friday, and basically <laughs> there's all yeah. these people waiting at these double doors, and as soon as they open. Like, they say, oh, after you, sir. Oh, after you, ma'am. And they just <laughs> kind of casually walk in. And then, of course, someone says, oh, sorry. You know, they do all that <laughs> silliness. But anyways, <clears throat> do you think that uh, we have a problem with maybe consumeristic tendencies that could be borderline idolatrous? 
when we can on one day be, I, I guess, being thankful for stuff. And there's a whole lot of controversy. We're millennials. We like to ruin holidays and we like to ruin especially things like Thanksgiving by saying, yeah, that's great. But remember that you're like living on land stolen from other people. And we just ruin stuff by bringing that up all the time. But just on a very basic and fundamental level, do you think there's maybe something deeply wrong with us as a people, as a culture, where we can go in the same day now from saying we're so thankful for stuff to then I'm going to punch you about the face for this Xbox? <laughs> well, uh, yes, yes, I think there's something that for sure. I think, yeah, I think it's a, it's just an interesting deal. I think for us, we. We, we are so marketable, like, or, or, or influenced by marketing. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Like we, people, the companies know how to manipulate us into doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, you laugh, so, but it's so a very real question. I know. There, oh, there, I know. There's so many people that participate in this. Yeah. Well, the, it's, it's this, the, we're selling scarcity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's like this idea, like there's just this, now it's like 48 hours, like 48 hours to shop to get this thing. That's going to save you all this money. And in reality, what's happening is you go out on Black Friday or Black Thursday through Saturday and you buy a bunch of stuff that you and a lot of it's probably junk anyway. Well, there's uh, actually black, just like there, dude, there, there's door, door busters. consumer reports that report that there are Black Friday versions of products that are more cheaply made. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the brands and stuff are not necessarily the nicest brands or the best brands or things like that I've seen on like TVs or whatever. I don't know. But, but yeah, like it's, it's just this idea of like scarcity that we have to like, it's like, like that we can't buy something for near the same price tomorrow. We have to go get it now. Um, and, and, and then so that creates a crowd and a rush and, and yeah, it just gets, it just gets crazy. All right. So I'm going to go do another rapid fire question. All three of you, we have a minute left. Uh, Will first, and then we can get, I guess Alicia and Byron in on this. Are you going to continue to ruin things like Black Friday? Do you feel like that's kind of just how you need to go about raging against the consumeristic machine? Sure. Yeah, I, I don't. I like I said. I mean, I I can go buy the same thing later. Okay. Uh, for cheap for just about the same. <laughs> Alicia, if I really want to buy something like that. Alicia, are you going to keep being an influencer and say small business Saturday? <laughs> yeah, until until there's like shop ethical Friday, until there's like <laughs> a a push to like buy things that are responsibly made and fair trade and labor's fair are trade Friday. Yeah, I I mean, I'll keep ruining Black Friday until it's fair trade Friday, until every day is fair trade Friday. Wow, that's that is ambitious. What about you, Byron? <laughs> are you going to keep grocery shopping later after the deals are all done? Probably, because <laughs> why not? We're both off. We were both off, so we did some errands. It worked out pretty well. I'm um, pretty sure I bought oil on Black Friday, but I didn't realize that that was what was happening. I just needed to change the oil in my car. So. That sounds very literal, Josiah. Literal? Yeah, to buy oil on Black yeah, Friday. It is pretty literal. <laughs> I literal. Can I just say that... Uh, Jill Osteen has a book called Every Day of Friday. Oh, my and goodness. Alicia just said she wants every day to be fair trade <laughs> Friday, so they're kind of the same. So. Byron, I'm just going to let you know I'm very tempted to bring up your favorite person in all the land since you brought up Joel Osteen. And I, promise <laughs> you wouldn't, I promise you wouldn't talk about it on this podcast, but we're about to bring up Kanye again. To be fair, I don't think you did promise, and you just did bring him up, so... Wah, wah. Or you're not? I don't know. Wah, wah. Segment Moving two. On. 
moving on. Segment two. Speaking of consumerism, Alicia, I think you're up on this one, right? Mm-hmm. Or no, this no? is Byron. Okay. Byron. Byron's on this one first, I think, right? Yep. Yes. It doesn't really okay. matter. Just ask the question, I guess. <laughs> Rude. I'm so excited. I just mean like Josiah talks about this a lot on the podcast. It's like it doesn't really matter. Like if you forget, just ask somebody. Who cares? Tesla. Byron. Tesla. Yes. Since Elon you're Musk. So since you're so inclined to start it off, what do you think of this uh, Apple II shaped mouse truck Dude, thing? It is hideous. Like it is so ugly that I love that people were comparing it to the Homer Mobile or whatever it's called. Like the, the what the, mobile? So Homer, in one of the episodes of The Simpsons, had a brother he found out that was famous as, like, a car manufacturer. And his brother, being rich, was like, I want to know what the average man wants. And he had Homer design a car. And oh. it was terrible. <laughs> and it flopped hard. And it w- didn't look like this truck in any way whatsoever. But it was just so ugly and so dumb looking that people are comparing it to that. And I love that. So did you guys all did you guys all grow up in elementary schools with those older Apple computers with the triangular shaped mouse that had one button in the middle? Did you guys all have that or is that just some of them had two? Yes, I did have something like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So they're like the weird kind of geometrically shaped mouse things, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the meme that keeps coming back to me is that there's someone that just compared it (laughs) with that mouse because it's exactly the same weird triangular shape. And it's as if Elon Musk is trying to appeal to all of us millennials that grew up with that shape at our fingertips or something like that. But it's just this curious thing. We we can talk about the subjectivity of how uh, curious this thing is or how funny it is that he did some sort of live demonstration about this bulletproof glass that shattered yeah that was pretty that great jet. yeah it was pretty great to watch the the live reveal not go to plan but it is a curious thing and byron um i know this might be a personal preference thing but i'm gonna ask you a more broad question i love trucks i drive a truck i do a lot of work with my truck and the idea of having an electric truck was really exciting for me if it didn't look like that um Electric vehicles have crazy amounts of performance, but they also have incredible amounts of sustainability and they can become carbon neutral. And there's a whole lot of cool stuff with that. However, not everybody is super interested in all those numbers and all that stuff. So, Byron, I know you're a little less uh, mechanically nerdy like me, but do electric vehicles in general uh, pique your curiosity at all? Yes, I think that's a good idea. However, when they say, like, when they make these claims, they also have to think about the fact that how you're charging these vehicles to say that there's zero carbon footprint, because that's not accurate, really. Well, it depends on where you live. So if I bought a, a Tesla truck, and it's all about how big of a battery I got, but yeah. actually, I, I ran the numbers. If I bought a Nissan Leaf, let's use that as an example, maybe not the prettiest vehicle in all the land, because Washington State is 80% or 70, 70 to 80% hydroelectrically powered, that vehicle will become carbon neutral, accounting for its manufacture and everything within one year, wow. which is pretty cool. And so, cool. yeah, a Tesla P100, those really fast Teslas, it would take like three to four years. The Tesla truck, it's probably like five, six, seven years. I don't know. We don't know all the details about that monster battery. Hmm. So from what a sustainability point, you, you find that curious then, huh? I mean, I think it's a good idea. The only one of the issues I have is like also like growing up, we didn't fly a lot. 
So driving was a thing we did, and I still do that. I've driven to California several times this year, unfortunately for funerals mostly. But, like, they can't get you there usually either. Like, I don't well, want to get can... stuck in Yuma for 12 hours to charge a Tesla. You can fast charge. If you go to a fast charge station and they're trying to make them, like, every so so many hundred miles, they actually fast charge. Every vehicle now can fast charge in about a half hour, which is crazy. But still... Comparing that to, you know, 60 seconds at a fuel, fuel, uh, whatever stop, I guess. A that's gas the, station. Yeah. It's that's called the, gas stations. That's that's did you say fuel pit? <laughs> yeah. I said <laughs> what the, I heard. I said the fuel fill up. I just, my brain stopped working for <laughs> a, a petrol so, place. So, know. but that's the question. So then Alicia will, either one of you, it maybe uh, will drives just a buttload. I don't know how often you drive Alicia. But the inconvenience of potentially having to charge, does that, is that worth the sacrifice for you if you're interested in sustainability and maybe vehicles that are greener? Yeah, I mean, I drive a hybrid right now. And I, yeah, I'm, it, I'm grateful for the ways that I save on fuel and that it's more like eco-friendly. Um, I'd be really interested in switching to like an electric vehicle especially one that could be like proven carbon neutral um in as quickly as a year like that's really neat um i just think that one of the other considerations about tesla is like the high like price point is just like yeah. out of reach for so many um pretty like bonkers average american families okay here's what's even more bonkers so i live in the bay area where the tesla manufacturing plant is and i just saw in the city of fremont so that's the city that borders where i passed her in hayward a police car like the city of fremont police car that is a tesla and i was like what <laughs> like uh, like uh, and part of me says like wow is that like misappropriation of city funds like to like spend that much money on yeah a that could be car? like a seventy thousand dollar car yeah or or is that like a really smart investment in sustainability i don't know so where did you land where did you land are you still up are you still undecided or i'm i'm still undecided but it does i think really spotlight the ways that some communities in the bay have this like high concentration of wealth where like like your city officials could be driving a tesla um, well, what so, if they're so, looking about looking at like the maintenance of the vehicles and how much you're yes, paying for fuel sure. like right so there's other i get that it's a high cost to get that uh, up front and I get where you're coming from because that's exactly what I would go to with my head. But like maybe if they actually did the math well, it might be cheaper in the long run. Possibly. And, you, I don't and know. also maybe they have some kind of deal with like the manufacturing plant because, again, it's like here locally for us. So, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. there there's a lot of things that like are still unanswered questions to me. But like that's that's crazy. Like what would it look like to have all of our like city vehicles be electric like like what would that do to our corporate the sustainability work well that's our timer but there, yeah. there's a curious uh, question that or not a question curious suggestion you can go and google search i can't remember the website right now but you can google search how is my electricity generated and it'll tell you the breakdown of your location so if you're because 
I, I've done a little bit of research into this stuff. I'm pretty nerdy about cars. I love this stuff. The most curious thing, aside from sustainability for me about electric vehicles, is the power. So if you know anything about the physics of an electric motor, you have a torque rating that is immediate. So if you like having a truck, which I like having, the Tesla truck, not that I don't like its look at all. I would prefer uh, an upstart startup uh, called uh, Rivian. But it actually can outperform gas and diesel trucks, which is curious. However, wow. the sustainability of the vehicle is also a huge factor. The Rivian is just crazy expensive, too, just like the Tesla truck, peaking out at like seventy dollars to $80,000, which is absurd. Um, but it's still a really interesting concept. Right now, though, you can buy a Nissan Leaf used in my neck of the woods for 5000 bucks. Wow. So that's a that, that's a much more realistic entry into the electric car market if that's something you're curious about. But again, it's all subjective. I don't like the way the Nissan Leaf looks. I don't think it's all that great looking, but um, I don't know. I think in a couple of years when there's more used electric cars, the millennials like us maybe could afford that stuff. Because truly, I think, I don't know, this could be all conjecture. I think that we are the generation all electric automakers are going to be marketing to and trying to attract. So. Hmm. Well, they're not doing a good job right now. <laughs> price points out. Yeah, it's crazy high. Hey, so did, I just did a Google search on this a little bit a little bit ago, and it, this is from 2017 though, so obviously it didn't go anywhere because I haven't heard anything else about it. But maybe you have, but it, it says that he also like that Elon Musk also revealed uh, an electric semi truck. Yeah, he did. Wow. Which, which if that went off, that not, you you want to talk about like good for the environment, <laughs> like. Where I live, uh, and I'm sure where you where you all live too, but where I live, like semi trucks are everywhere, yes. always constant, and and like people are just hauling all kinds of stuff up and down I-29, and and yeah, that that would be that would be a huge deal, yeah. I think if more companies invested in that. They don't have them in production. They have not scaled that yet either because the exact issue okay. Byron brought up is how do you charge it? Because those trucks right. have the biggest batteries ever. And they the thing right. they cannot <clears throat> compete with diesel on is that you can get from the tanks of diesel <clears throat> that you fill up at the the filler pit or whatever I said earlier, you can you can fill <laughs> you can fill your tanks. You can fill your tanks and go like a thousand miles. So mm. you just still right. can't compete with. Yeah. Well, you have two tanks. Yes. I mean, yeah. Well, and some people have. Yeah, so when you go to the La Brea tar pits and get gas. Yeah. There <laughs> you go to the... drive so far. Okay. okay. As Josiah, yeah. See, he's, a, that... he's a car nerd, so he knows how engines yeah. work. Yeah. I do. He doesn't know what a gas yeah. station is. I don't. Yeah. So a, for me. I'm about to start making me, my own like, fuel, so. There you go, man. For no, I'm me, not joking. Like the electric would be, would be really hard for yeah. me just because of my location and so that's that would be the biggest the biggest setback for me i think like i'd be up for it but it just i would have to you, you know you'd have to map it out you'd have to be really really intentional so yeah that's that's why um, i brought the nissan if you can charge it in your garage overnight with a regular outlet but you only have 100 wow 100 miles of range per charge yeah so that's the shortcomings if, of that what about would it be any different charging it like outside? Like, cause you, could you like, I don't have a garage. So like, can oh, I wherever, an extension you, cord? Oh, like, that doesn't that matter. You just work? have to have an outlet. Yeah. You just have to have that's an outlet. Awesome. Right. Yeah. That's pretty great. So a hundred miles of range though. It has the smallest battery, but that's why it becomes carbon neutral. The fastest, a Tesla P 100, right. which is the one that's crazy fast. 
the entire frame of the vehicle is a battery. It's an enormous battery. So that's why it takes like three or four years. See, Where I live, like... it takes three or four years. If you live in like Indiana, where your electricity is powered by coal, you will never be carbon neutral with an ele- electric car, ever. Mm. Yeah. See, so I, would like why... the, I like the idea, but it's like not being able to go for like a Nissan Leaf. Like I couldn't get to Phoenix really from where I live. And I have to be able to do that to like go to the airport or like there's important things that I have to do. Yeah. Not often. No, that... Like it'd be great for like going to work every day. Well, the reason but... I bring up the Leaf is it's just the cheapest electric vehicle you can buy. Dude. Yeah. Solar power. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That, man? Well, the Tesla truck can have a solar powered hatch in the back. So why don't you buy that one? <laughs> We're gonna... In Arizona, that would be worthwhile. That makes a lot oh, of sense, Atlanta. actually. It actually would be worthwhile, but it only gives or you Texas, 15, uh, yeah. 15 miles more range. Anyways, we're going to keep talking about Teslas. I want to talk about one more topic of discussion. So let's shift gears because I'm a car nerd with tar pits and stuff. Uh, Alicia, I think you're up on this one, maybe. If not, we're going to make you up. I don't care. We're going to start you off with this discussion. You ready, Alicia? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to start a timer that we ignore. All right, let's start it. So we've talked a bit about it. We have official holidays on calendars. We have unofficial holidays like Black Friday. It's curious, though. Um, I don't know how often we really acknowledge that we follow a Greco-Roman calendar and also just the fun tension that that brings because Jesus was always opposing the Roman Empire. And, uh, but December 25th is obviously up and coming. We talked about October 31st, um, November, whatever it was. Thanksgiving's not always on the same date, uh, but we have these holy days, these holidays that um, kind of form and shape us. I know you a little bit better than Byron and Will. You're what I would consider a person that's a little more liturgically sensitive. So talk to me a little bit about your, your Advent practices, both personally, but also with your church. Um, because I've actually, I've actually had people come to my church and like, I've never heard of Advent even talked about. I'm curious if, the, if you've ever had that wow. happen or, or what that's you terrible. do to discuss Advent and how it frames the calendar year for you personally, but also for your congregation. Yeah, um, maybe uh, I'll start at the beginning and say I was raised in a Nazarene church, and um, we always had a four-week Christmas series, but nobody ever called it Advent. Um, I I was introduced to the Christian calendar and the liturgical year and um, the practices of Advent and Lent and ordinary time when I uh, went to Point Loma for university. Um, and and I found those practices deeply meaningful and the the church community, in addition to the university community that I was a part of, um, just really had a liturgical imagination. Um, and yeah, it again was just like a really uh, deeply forming space for me. I, I've learned as an adult, like as I think about the way that I process the world, I really am a seasonal kind of person. Um, some people like have a kind of daily rhythm or uh, something like that, but I don't know. I'm the kind of person that likes more time to sit with a theme or an idea and to turn it over. Um, and so the the season of Advent, like four weeks leading up to Christmas um, and, then, and then 12 days of Christmas and then the season of Epiphany and um, and and Lent like six weeks and then Holy Week and Easter all of that has been deeply meaningful in my life so I've got a lot of like personal practices that help me mark that time um, like uh, daily readings from the lectionary or from a devotional um, 
uh, I, I participate in some more liturgical uh, church communities when I can, like just as a participant, um, like, I don't know, to help mark that time or to belong to a community where I don't have to be in charge of anything, you know, as the pastor. And I could just like pray and read and uh, process with the community. So those, those are some of like my personal practices. And then, but I've also found like the church that I grew up in, the church that I pastor now, um, just like wasn't really familiar with Advent. And so I've done a lot of teaching, like introducing um, the colors of the season, right? Like purple for royalty as we get ready to welcome the king um, and uh, introducing the Advent candles and the symbolism of each one and doing some uh, candle readings and um, singing like Advent songs and not just Christmas carols. Um, so last week we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And one woman- So read we. <laughs> I know, right? And But one woman in my congregation was like, I've never heard of these before. And I was like, we're we're singing them from the hymnal. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not <laughs> like they're official. new. <laughs> it's not like they're new songs. Like, um, anyway, uh, so- I feel like I've been talking a lot, but, but that was a big question to ask. Like some of my personal practices and how I'm bringing that to my community. I've often found like, it's just um, really taking the temperature of where they're at and, and then inviting them into a new practice. I mean, if it were up to me, I would sort of like explode a liturgical imagination onto these people, but I feel like that's like just a little bit too much. So, so we do a little bit. I think that's, that's something I've noticed as I continue to I, I talk to, interview, befriend other young clergy. There's this growing contingency of very liturgically minded pastors, p- particularly in our faith traditions. And I'm curious, cause I, this is I'm, I'm going to you now, Will, because you're sort of Nazarene, but not. Um, you have a you have hmm. a bigger church. I don't know if you've experienced any of this similar. Uh, I don't know, less liturgically minded, less. Uh, just don't talk about Advent. Don't talk about Epiphany. Don't talk about Lent or, you know, not having, I I was at a church where they wouldn't have an Ash Wednesday service because it was too Catholic. So I went to the Catholic service and I had a priest mark me with the dust and do the from dust to dust. And, you know, if, if they found out that their youth pastor was going to a Catholic mass, I think they may have fired me. Honestly, I don't really know. Um, But has that been your experience? Well, they know now. Yeah. What's church is that to say? retroactively fire me uh it's one of the ones i've been at you can figure it out um will i don't will, know if i can uh, i think there's like at least three that i would think could do that oh my goodness oh uh, i know to one be for honest, sure. oh, oh, oh my goodness sure. not serious. airing ju- um we'll talk about yeah. it later after the i'll podcast. save you just i'll save you Go, will. So, save me. yes yes um so i always tell people that our church is a mutt church um and what i mean by that is that we have people from every um, Christian faith tradition, almost <laughs> that you can kind of come up with. So we have, except for Eastern Orthodox. So we have, we have Catholics and Lutherans um, and Nazarenes and Baptists and, and independent folks. And so, and we all worship together. And so in your, lo- in, in in your local midst- context, correct. And so in the midst of that, like we have like, I don't know, at least 50% of people who are very, uh, formed by, by 
more liturgical practices. And then the other 50% would be more evangelical kind of low church folks who, who may not be familiar with it as much. But so we have, so we have that diversity, which is really cool. Um, And so when we, when we do things like Advent, um, we'll talk about Epiphany and we'll do Lent and things like that. We, we, we won't get a weird response because we, we've kind of, you know, from the very beginning of the church being, being planted, we've kind of just let everybody know who we are. We're interdenominational and we're interdenominational on purpose. And so we bring in, you know, liturgy and we, you know, and then we do have, have some freedom too, as well with, 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 you know, with some of that as well. So, so it's not all high church liturgy. It's kind of like stuff we grew up with too at times. And so it's just different, but, but folks aren't, aren't because of who we are, they kind of know and expect, you know, that kind of stuff from, from time to time. So especially during Advent and Lent, especially. So, hmm. well, it's, so we don't have any problem with it. Me and Alicia read a book together in our cohort. Um, I can't remember the exact quote, Alicia, you might have to help me. Hopefully you remember it, but it's basically, you don't negotiate with terrorists and you also don't negotiate with liturgists or something. I can't remember something. The quote was something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. Alicia? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's kind of this sentiment where, at least this this particular author, his name is Brent Peterson, and it was just kind of this that there is a Christian way of doing things, right? Like this is this is Christian worship, this is the tradition, this is how it should be done. So on one hand, you have a, a group of folk in not just our neck of the woods, but in just Christendom or just Christianity, I guess, who say this is how we worship, this is what we should do. So like Catholics, Episcopals, Anglican, high church folk, you cannot not do advent right you you do advent you you do advent services you talk about love hope peace joy there's other folks that are as you call them low church folk like oh no we can't do that we would be too catholic if we do that and then you have in the tension of that the cultural dynamics of oh well halloween's this evil day when really people are like no this is actually a christian holiday and then you have people like oh our most christian holiday december 25th but then there's other folks that are like well jesus probably wasn't even born on this day and in fact some of your practices are actually pagan in, in their historical context. So I'm just curious, and I don't care who answers this. I'm just curious either from a personal preference. Byron, maybe you can answer first because you attend these services. How much of this do you think wow. should be considered personal preference? <laughs> you can wow me all you want. Uh, how much you of know, this? No, I used to be a pastor, though, right? I've preached on Christmas. I've done these services, I w- too. I want you to give me I both perspectives. I know I'm not a pastor anymore, I want you, but... I want you to give me both perspectives. I'm per- particularly curious about your th- – th- this is the question. You can take it for what it is. Um, how much of this should be chalked up to personal preference versus how much of this should be this is what is Christian and we should do it if we call ourselves Christian? Like, do you, do you have a line in your head um, – but as a just a worship uh, attender, or what? That's I hate calling it that way. But as someone that has a choice in where they go to church, let's let's call it that way. How much of it do you think should be chalked up to uh, personal preference versus no? This is actually what it means to be Christian. I mean, like the rest of probably, I mean, almost all the pastors I know that are of our generation, I am more liturgical than I ever was growing up. Um, I think it's important. I have educated every youth group I've ever been a part of as a, as a pastor. I've even preached like I've preached quite a bit on like the Sunday after Christmas. Um, as all like youth when the pastor do, takes right? up. Yeah. Like yeah. the pastor leaves. <laughs> so I can't, so I preach. Yeah. And I've, I've talked about the way I do, this is the best part since, since I graduated college, I've always talked about it as 
tradition. So like I always talk about what do you do in your family? What's important to you? And so I talk about the two things for me. We used to always have, and they still do this at my mom's family in, in San Francisco area. We would have a Nerf war. We'd get new Nerf guns and have a massive Nerf war. And that was our Christmas Eve thing. It was like a big deal. Sounds like a That's great a family tradition. Practice. Well, hold on. Let me get there. Um, <laughs> I'm not It's joking. an important thing in that. our family. Um, and then the other thing for me is I always watch Die Hard because it is absolutely a Christmas <laughs> movie. Don't at me. It's a Christmas movie. Um, Hot takes. Every, every Christmas Eve, I watch that movie. Those are my personal um, things that I always do. But then I talk about why the church celebrates things like Advent, which leads into like Advent leads into Christmas because Christmas leads into other things. It's it's not just, uh, oh, this season's over. Now we move on. The, the, the church calendar means something. And yes, there is ordinary time in there. But Advent leads to Christmas in like. All of these things are important. The walk from his birth to the cross and then what happens post the cross is very important. And they tie together. It is These are not one-off things that don't... I mean, yes, there was a lot of time in between those in his actual life, but every year we celebrate those things and it means something. The other thing I like about liturgy, and this is just also... This is all throughout the whole year. It's ordinary time, whenever it is. If you use like lectionary, for instance... There are Christians all over the world. Now, I don't know, time zones change, and obviously they meet at different times than you do. But if you use things like liturgy, as a Christian family, as a group of people, we are all reading the same text in the same day. That's powerful. Hmm. And yeah. understanding we are part of one group together, one, one body, like Paul says, we are, even though we don't know each other, we're in different places in Africa and here, like all over the world. We're worshiping as one. Yeah. That's important. And, and it transcends time, too, which I like. That yeah, totally. Well. Like you're talking 2,000 years. Absolutely. Of, so, so you're united with the old, you know, historical, traditional church as well. Which yeah. Is cool. When I was a student in college, I studied abroad and I lived in Spain. Um, and I went to Catholic Mass with my host mom when I lived there. Um, and every Sunday when we prayed the Lord's Prayer in Spanish, I knew plus or minus nine hours that my church community at home was saying the same prayer. And and there was something really deeply meaningful to me about that, about like being able to participate in a liturgy and a tradition that wasn't my own, um, but still know that I belonged to the same global family um, and it was in a different language exactly too, which is even cooler yeah like that's amazing that you could feel that and be like yeah we're people are doing this where i live to where, where i'm from and we're all participating together yeah it's important it it is and then and then the themes of the christian calendar are always about like who is God? Who are we as God's people? How then do we live? Right? Like these are questions mm-hmm. that we're always asking week in, week out. And what does it mean to to orient our lives around Christ first and foremost mm-hmm. as disciples of Christ in the world? And then to say that like we're not governed by the U.S. federal holidays or the Hallmark calendar or whatever. We're, <laughs> we're governed <laughs> – we are governed first and foremost by the life of Christ, right? And that our identity is yeah. hidden with Christ and God. That's in Colossians, right? That, that, yeah, that as we orient time and count time differently, we, we find it easier and easier to step away from those 
kinds of consumeristic traditions like Black Friday and and instead like practice generosity and hope and peace and joy and love like Advent invites us to. So I just find I find it like deeply compelling and grounding in terms of like who we are and what we're called to do. Um, but I also find it like a really transformative like discipleship journey that like as we continue to focus our eyes onto Christ that we are that we look more and more like Christ I guess it's a curious tension to live within um especially with people that grew up in churches and then it's really I'm still experimenting with how to approach some of these subjects where it's like well my church never talked about that and and the very uh immature Josiah wants to say well your church wasn't really good at stuff then but that's oh. obviously probably not probably not the best thing to say because I'm, I'm mostly just but like if you grew up in church and you did not hear about Advent, I think that you were done a disservice, truly. Like if you did not hear the word Advent, if you did not hear these things discussed somehow in some way, I, I don't know. I, I feel like as as someone that has gone to school to uh, not seminary, I know, but gone to school, learned some of these, like <laughs> these are deeply formative things that yeah. I, well, I don't know if you can substitute. Well, let me let let me say one other thing, though, Josiah, because I, I, I do want us to be very careful here because, for instance, I so I am a part of a mutt church. And, and, and like I said, I have I have folks who who should have really been formed by this amazing liturgy. I think it's amazing uh, who, who, who came from the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church and, and, and they would not several of them would not be able to tell you anything about their liturgy would not be able, mm-hmm. I mean they'd be able to, to say it sure. to you because they have it memorized but they don't even know what it means they don't even know that it's scripture yeah. they don't even know like that they, they haven't been formed by the liturgy at all exactly and so and so just because you go to a church that says the word advent doesn't mean anything really I mean you have to you it needs to be explained it needs to be well really taught and understood totally <laughs> that, excuse me that's kind of my sentiment i i know i, I was giving you my very immature optic of well someone needed to do, be doing something better but truly it's one thing to just say oh today is the advent sunday of hope hooray it's another thing to actually try to practice or cultivate or let your life be formed and guided by that right um, and because because just like October 31st, going trick-or-treating. There's not some sort of fancy reverse osmosis thing where suddenly you're evil from eating evil candy or whatever. In the same way, going to these services and just sitting through the service, okay, cool, now I've been blah, 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 formed because I showed up for an hour. It's not the same. I think moving forward as the church, truly like what you were saying, Alicia, these practices can be turned into opportunities for discipleship to consider what it means to follow a different life rhythm than what the world would call us to live into. So, yeah. Yeah, And, and totally we would, we would affirm that, um, that this sort of discipleship work can happen with or without like a formal liturgy. Um, but just personally, I, I'm deeply attracted to it and I've found it deeply meaningful, but I also wonder to like, to what degree that's, that's a result of me growing up in a really like, like I grew up in a church of the Nazarene, but like really low church kind of way. Um, and so that, so that when I reached a point in my life where I needed something new and renewing in my spiritual life, I found it in actually ancient practices. Um, yeah, just because they hadn't been part of my like growing up in the church life experience. So 
yeah, I don't know. It's like mm-hmm. pros and cons and, and all of that. Or, or just like things that are unique to personal experience. Or just simply the reason why we have so many denominations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so many rabbit holes to go down with this topic of conversation. But we're out of time. So I'm not even going to give you guys a chance for last thoughts. Because we're seriously way over on time. And we need to end. Um, but are you guys all going to... Are y'all going to be good to go for next week, too? Are we going to have Alicia back on? Alicia, are you going to be on next week? Yeah, I'm ready to be on next week. I could do that. Okay, okay cool. Otherwise, I was going to say bye to Alicia. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going to have this crew on one more time next week. We should plan before we record. On live. the very organized on hashtag blast. On the very, very Podcast. organized. I'm still in holiday mode. I'm sorry. The trip to fan and the turkey. I honestly thought... Still- you like just thought we were done already like you didn't do the sign off you're just like okay guys let's just no i was like so confused so with that being said we're going to be done now byron you ready such ready grace and peace this is the hashtag blessed version of the millennial pastor podcast i'm josiah on the show today we had alicia will and byron next week we might be a little more together and next week in theory we may have a seasoned saint long form show me and byron are working on it grace and peace we will see you next week